Welcome to another episode of Rock Me Dead and what an episode this has shaped up to be. After witnessing the near-death experience of an entire sporting code, after a game that was just from top to bottom full of drama and excitement, a game like that hasn't been played in this country for Christ, a generation I'd say, not since the halcyon days of the mid-2000s to the late 90s, we haven't seen a game of such theatre and, and such passion. And Wendell Hussey, tell me about it. It was historic, wasn't it, Errol? It was a special, special game. Um, I think you're right. We haven't had something like that for a while. I was sitting down this morning trying to think to myself when I was that involved or that emotional about a Wallabies game. And I can't remember anything over the last kind of 10 years other than the World Cup where we knocked England out of their own World Cup on home soil in the pool stage. That was that was a memorable victory. But I think this is probably the most memorable for, for quite some time. And um, yeah, it was, it was an incredible way to spend a Saturday night. It was because, you know, taking into account that victory at the 2015 World Cup over England, which saw them booted out of it, the game wasn't on its haunches like it is now, no. you know. This game has been struggling in this country for so long, for years and years and years. And after disappointment after disappointment in terms of the Bledisloe and, and other things like that and previous World Cups, it's just been so refreshing to have such a close and even contest mm. where we've come out on top. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That flash of red card four minutes into the game was the... Oh. The flash nice. of life before before the game's <laughs> very eyes, wasn't it? You're just thinking... I guess we should start there. I mean, look, we do do a rugby podcast. We are supposed to be watching these games. As soon as that red came out, I fucking nearly changed the channel. <laughs> I was like, that's it. I was seeing red. I mean, my heart was going out to Phil Kearns, who's trying to get us the 2027 World Cup. I mean... He just would have been on his knees in his living room, smashing bottles of red wine against the wall, being like, why? Why? We just had to win this game. But yeah, look, they came through in the end. But look, that red card will go down in history as being the red card that almost killed an entire sporting coach. And it was fitting. (laughs) It was fitting that it came from a Kiwi too. I mean, it just reeks of a conspiracy that this Kiwi referee who, by the way, did quite a poor job, if you're asking me, he almost killed rugby union in this country because we played 75 minutes of that game without arguably our most critical attacking player. Mm. Yeah, he has probably been, along with Michael Hooper, our best player all series long and for the last couple of years, Marika. And that red card, sending him off four minutes in, it would have had, I imagine, a whole generation of people putting their feet through the TV, I reckon, that to see a red card straight away like that. I don't know about 
you, Errol, but my first reaction as soon as Marika put that shot on was a big old clap and a get up on my feet to say, great shot, Marika. Off the kickoff, winger on a number eight, bang, puts him down, makes a number eight, drop the ball, and you're thinking, righto, our scrum inside the French 22. And then we go to the TMO and red card, off we go. It is such a sad and pathetic indictment on this game that that was even allowed to happen. I mean, I've gone back, I've looked at it, I've looked at the slow-mo for fucking hours. First initial contact with the French player was on the shoulder. It rides up, makes some sort of contact with his neck. It's risen up. It was an accident. And the fact that this fucking French player drops the ball, gets absolutely (laughs) outclassed, and then five seconds later... I mean, you see it in soccer all the time. The dive starts at the legs. If you go back and watch head clashes, if you go back and watch boxes, head trauma starts at the head. If you are knocked out, your fucking head goes first. The head dips. If you're taking a dive, you see it in the legs first. They drop at the legs and they grab the face. And that French player saw what had happened, that he had been made an absolute fucking fool of. So he takes a dive and he knows that when he's on the ground, he takes an HIA for no reason. I mean, you watch rugby league, when they go off the field for an HIA, they have fucking concussion. You can see it in their eyes. (laughs) I mean, I was watching this game last night. This bloke was walking off the field, this fucking Raiders player, he was walking off the field blowing up that he'd just been HIA'd and you could tell by the look in his eye that he had no fucking idea where he was. (laughs) This French player could have walked off the fucking field and done a crossword in English. There's no head trauma there. He yeah, he wouldn't have looked out of place on a Mersey Valley dairy farm. I don't think the milkman. It was it was incredible. That's what I think incensed so many people. Like the red card decision in of of itself would have been enough to send people wild. But the fact that he fell to the ground a few seconds after, as you said, being embarrassed by a winger, being dropped by a winger, and then fell to the ground and started uh, clutching at his head was was just something that uh, sent the unanimously sent people wild. Like, that seemed to be the reaction online from Saffers, Kiwis, Englishmen, everyone. Everyone was blowing up about how pathetic it was and it wasn't in the spirit of the game, etc., etc. I'm kind of surprised with that dive that he didn't maybe start just, like, reaching for the shin, like traditional soccer-slash-football players, you know, reaching for the shin and rolling around over and over, doing a few um, a few tumbles until, until the red card was given. Mate, it's unbelievable. Now, I know exactly why the English wanted to leave the fucking EU. I mean, imagine living, you know, 33 miles across, you know, a strait of filthy freezing water from that. Yeah. Um, Absolute sustained mediocrity. I mean, no wonder they sent their fucking C team out here. (laughs) This guy wouldn't get a fucking run against anyone in Europe because he's a diver. Uh, He's well, he's useless. Yeah, plenty of people making that joke that he should be off to Tokyo now for the French team. It certainly caused a lot of those super generic memes to pop up in my newsfeed over the last couple of days. Yeah. You know that soccer is 90 minutes pretending you're hurt. Rugby is 80 minutes pretending you're not. And then just a variation of Yolong, you know, saying pardon or something yeah. like that. I don't condone headshots. Like if Corabetti 
hit this bloke and he's out on his feet and he's on the ground having a seizure as the people are coming, you know, to cover him mm. up with a tarp, you know, to give him a bit of privacy as he's undergoing and processing some extreme head trauma, then, yeah, sure, Corabetti's off the field for the rest of the game. It's just fucking unbelievable that this was even entertained. But mm. when you think about it, it's not that believable because, you know, this whole thing was condoned and fucking enabled by a New Zealander. Yeah. Yeah, I had a close friend of mine say to me over the weekend that he was beginning to wonder if there is some global conspiracy theory here. There's a massive conspiracy. In, in these Kiwi refs and their refereeing decisions that get awarded to us in these big games, as you said, crucial game, crucial game, deciding uh, deciding match in a series on home soil against an understrength French team, and to cop that decision four minutes in, he was saying he just he's just beginning to wonder now if there's something that we don't know about in terms of the high powers of rugby that are influencing decisions like this. Mate, it's further evidence to me that Kiwi rugby is on the decline. I mm. mean, if they're having to stoop this low. After they've been on top of the world for 20 years, I mean, it's just, just you yeah. know, fuck off. They wanted to demoralize us, ruin us, destroy our confidence, but instead, it's had the opposite effect because we had 76 incredible minutes from the boys in green and gold to get us the win in the end and restore a heap of confidence, get a bit of hype around the game. Everyone seemed to enjoy the game. Everyone I've spoken to said it was a nail-biter. They were on the edge of their seats. They loved it. Apparently, 952,000 people were tuning in at the end and yeah. an average 700,000 people across, which is pretty good. Like, Origin gets between 1.5 and 2. So, the Wallabies outrated the AFL on the weekend. Yep. Which... Yep. AFL, I think, is turning into the new rugby union. I mean, just the amount of fucking people in that sport that have been to those fuck schools in Melbourne that do all those chants mm. on the tram and have all, you know, those... The school that Bill Shorten went to, you know, that yeah. fucking big fucking house of fucking human sadness, whatever the fuck it's called. But anyway, I think that AFL is on the massive decline as well. I mean... I don't want to jinx it now, but we could have turned a corner. Rugby Union could be coming back into vogue. I mean, like, 20 years ago, it was perfectly normal to support the Wallabies. And somewhere along the way, I mean, like, the people who hate Rugby Union the most are people who played it as children. The the people that went to these elite private schools, the people who hate Rugby Union the most went to those schools and now there's an element of self-loathing about it they you know they don't want to be associated with it they're, they're trying to run from their you know extreme and unbridled privilege yeah and yeah they, they feel spurned and scorned by exactly well. yeah and then look now these boys need to understand that it's okay to like both you can like the wallabies on Monday and still pretend to be working class at university on Friday. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. I mean... You can enjoy your origin football and your I mean, Wallabies you football. don't have to fucking walk around your fucking uni in your Tigers hat or your fucking Sharks hat like your fucking yeah, stupid yeah. dopey Prime Minister we have, but... Your Newtown Jets vintage jersey. Oh, it just... It pains me to see these fucking people that do this. I mean... It's perfectly fine to like anything that you want. I mean, look, there are people that hate cricket, which is fair Mm. enough. I mean, 
having to watch a game that goes for up to five days, it isn't everyone's cup of tea. There are people that don't like 2020 cricket. There are people who don't like one-day cricket. I fucking hate 2020 cricket. It's just, you know, why would you fucking bother? You, you know, like you can't get a fair contest. Look, as a young lady from the taco ad says, Porque no lostos, you know. We can uh, we can revert back to enjoying both of our codes or as many codes as you want and not being ashamed of rugby uh, as had kind of been the case over the last few years. That was on Channel 9, that yeah. game as well. I think that helped big time. Main channel, front and centre, Saturday night, and they put on a show. They put on an unreal show. Played better, really, with 14 men than they did with 15 for the rest of the series, yeah, you could 100%. say. Yeah, 100%. I mean, but... Fucking Hooper, though. Jesus Christ. I mean, like, there must be beep tests around the world that fear him. I mean, fuck. Beep tests hate this man. He is fucking everywhere. And he always looks in pain. Like, I I really, I would love. He's never puffed. No, no, but he's just there and wincing. Yeah. Yeah, just wincing, always wincing. I would love to know what that pain feels like for him. Like if you could just for 30 seconds live in Michael Hooper, like just live in the 50th minute of the game, how much pain he's in internally or he's just whether he just embraces that or he loves that or he doesn't feel it. It's just incredible because he's just going and going and going and going and he's always there and he always looks like he's just he's just busting. No, he's busting. It's an incredible. In order to play rugby at such an elite level, you need to love and embrace pain because Mm -hmm. it will always be present in your life. I mean, long after you retire, there will always be pain. I mean, your knees will be fucked, ankles will be fucked, shoulders, elbows. I mean, like, I've been lucky enough to play a couple of games of golf with some old fucking wallabies, and you can just see, like, that just... Mm. There is no mobility. There's no flexibility. They've given their bodies to the game, and now... They're paying the price, but look... Now, modern medicine has given them their knees and hips. I think there is going to be a time in the future where Michael Hooper's, you know, old and fucked, and Mm. he'll be lying on the couch and being like, Jesus Christ, I need to get my knees done. I need to get them out, Mm. and I need to get in some metal knees. My knees are fucked. But at the same time, he has that pain in his knees that, you know, it's come from achieving glory. You know, it isn't like he's got bad knees because he got hit by a fucking Hilux in a Coles car park in fucking Tumut, you know? Yeah. One of the things I wanted to point out about this win, which made it even more enjoyable for me, is you look at the team that we put out, a lot of young guys in that. Tate, Lolasio, Hunter, Ikatao. Yep, McDermott, um, Filippo, uh, Darcy Swain, Lacan, a lot of young guys in that yeah. squad. It's not like we flew back some 70, 80, 90 test veterans from France or England or we had no. you know, a few old guys who they, they're old heads, they know how to manage games, they got to get a start. This was a young yeah. gun I mean, back line who turned up. Like there's just hoops. Hoops really and the, mm. like hoops. Yeah, hoops and slipper and Alatoa and yeah. the rest of them pretty young guys yeah and then like like, he did have a bit of experience on the bench which i think mm, did help yeah yeah with tamua and hodge and stuff but yeah this is a young team that uh pulled off a pretty incredible win and are going to be around for a long time to come and i was after the first couple of games i think there are a lot of people a little bit concerned about cohesion in the back line and what was going to happen and whether these guys were going to stand up and 
Game three, Suncorp, front of a big crowd, Saturday night, huge game. They stood up big time. Tate, Lolaseo, really good. I thought Hunter Basami was good again. Hates, hates getting tackled behind yep. the game line. Just lives to get over the game line. Lives for a tough carry yeah. as well, Hunter Basami. Yeah. He's a real Sherpa. Yeah, yeah, look, and the person who actually worked to secure a lot of this talent, you know, to keep it away from the other sporting codes was Raylene Castle. I think that when mm. when the history books are written about the resurgence of this game, I think that Raylene will be a bit of an unsung hero in this. Could have handled Izzy better. Yeah. I, I mean, she probably was kind of facing a lot of external pressure from sponsors and whatnot. But look, yeah. she's done an absolute service uh, to this game in making sure that, you know, all of this talent wasn't poached and stolen by, you know, not just other sporting codes in this country, but, you know, internationally. Internationally and by the financial sector as well, you know. Mate, you've got the rest of your life to go to corporate lunches on behalf of the National Australia Bank. I mean, (laughs) these guys will play until they're 35. I think that most kind of realise they're a bit over the hump when they're about 33, go and spend two or three years playing in the south of uh, France um, mm. or yeah. England just as a bit of a top-up and then, you know, they come back and they work for the National Australia Bank, Commonwealth, where, you know, their brains aren't really utilised to their full extent. They're more of a company ornament that is taken to client meetings and, and uh, you, you know, yeah. to lunches and corporate golf days yeah. and stuff and then they're like, blah, 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 you know, like they'll do all these kind of deals and then they'll turn to... Uh, to Sterling Mortlock and say, oh, mate, can you tell us a bit about, can you tell us a bit, oh, mate, how about this game? Mm. And then... Tell us about that time that you pinched that ball out of the air and went 60 metres, yep. yeah. Their brains are utilised to soak up red wine and um, in uh, indulge, yep. indulge clients. And to entertain these people, you know, who are just like the men who employ them, you know, this mm. is just the grey-haired, red-nosed masses of white men that run this country. Mm. And tell us that the country can't be run by people who aren't them. But um, so so it makes sense for a Wallaby to, you know, get a few wins up, get a few wins in the green and gold, and then they can uh, then they can live the life of red wine and long lunches, all that sort mate, of stuff. If, mate, um, mate, look, if we win the Bledisloe Cup back this year, Michael Hooper has a red-hot chance of one day being the CEO of Westpac. <laughs> I shit you not. He will be... I mean, he might not have degrees in, you know, corporate governments. He doesn't need an MBA. But the fact that he can go over and do international business and then they're just like, yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, look, I couldn't give a fuck about inflation in the Cook Islands. Mate, can you tell me about how you won back the blood is low in 2021? And it's like... Hoops, tell us how much it hurt when that all black just went straight between your shoulder blades when you were trying to get over the top and pill for yeah, the ball. And he, oh, righto, mate. And, yeah. then, and then he just tells them such a cracking yarn and then at the end of it, it's like, that was hilarious. How about we do this deal now? Yep, signed. Get the papers yeah. out. That's just how it works in this country. But traditionally in rugby league, after you've had enough of putting your brain and your body on the line for, you know, someone like the Titans at the twilight of your career. Then you can go into sports media. You can be a, you know, a pokey rep for aristocrat. You can be a beer rep. 
you know, there are pathways out of this game for the go-getter. Yeah, there's pathways for anyone who wants them. Um, Except maybe for test cricketers because it takes a fucking rare and exotic human being to be a test cricketer. I've spent a lot of time with people who've played test cricket at an elite level in this country and they all have something. They all aren't normal people. No, and I feel like they don't have to work quite as hard to get a gig after sport because there's just not as many of them. Yeah. You know, like in a decade, we're going to see what? 25 to 30 test cricketers in a decade, maybe? Thereabouts. Maybe 40 yeah. test cricketers. Well, like, it isn't like it used to be. I mean, you know, there are a lot of test cricketers which have played, which have now been left by the wayside. Um, you know, it's hard for athletes to transition um, out of sports, you know. Like, you always hear Olympians fucking harp on about that, you know, blah, 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 blah. But, you know... Yeah, well, that's why the NRL has the no train, no play policy now um, to make sure that they don't have uh, guys leaving the game with no qualifications or training when that time eventually does come because average NRL career is supposed to be something like 10 to 20 games. Yeah, look, well, like, it's a brutal game. And I think that there are um, a lot of people in this game of rugby which, you know, they learn to play the game because they're at university or something so they're already learning mm. yeah, yeah it's yeah. just a part-time hobby kind of thing um but back to this game from saturday night i don't know about you but there was one thing that made me really nervous when and it could have completely changed everything when the french had the penalty right on full time yeah. on the halfway line and they decided to go for the line to win it I thought for sure Yamane was going to point at the sticks and just slot the three and make it 33-all drawn test match, drawn series, and just a little bit underwhelming. But they went for the line-out, which I guess well, yeah. I guess that is French, well, I think you know, going for it all. Well, the way I interpreted it is that he wasn't confident to kick it from the sideline on halfway. Like, that is a fucking big kick. If he kicked mm. that, oh yeah, a draw was a fair outcome because that would have been you know such an amount of pressure to kick such a hard kick but i think that they were going for the drop goal yeah oh yeah moving across and just sitting in the pocket there yeah fair but not not with big darcy swain getting his mitts on the ball um huge huge stop for a young man like uh, we always talk a lot about like players in the back line icing tries and doing nice things but that that's a big moment line out drive on your own 22 to save a test match and he got on top of the ball and won it and um that was that was great to see all the boys rushing in there like Ikatao, the thirteen, just rushing in, and there was a French loose forward who was kind of around it. He just runs over, pushes him onto the ground, and then sprints over and picks up Darcy Swain and gives him a big hug. Like very yeah. unnecessary for the push, but <laughs> just pulled off a huge win. So he just goes and does it. Um, there was a few little yeah. moments like that actually from the young guys, which I didn't mind. Like. Lolaseo pointing yeah. to the crowd before he put the ball down. Like, as he's going to score his try, points to the crowd, jumps up and goes down. I love it. I don't mind this new wave of uh, confidence. Some may call it arrogance. I don't know. Brashness from these young guys who haven't dealt yeah. with the pain of losing to the All Blacks for the last 10 or 15 years. They're backing themselves and they're just playing confident footy out there and they're not afraid of people. You know, they're not respecting these guys just because they play for the uh, French team or the All Blacks or any sort of stuff like that. So I hope we see a bit more of that going forward. I really liked Lacan, um, Salakai Loto. 
rubbing Yalonk's head after the full-time <laughs> siren just to check that he's okay. Wallabies actually posted that on their social media, which I thought yeah. was pretty funny, just given the <laughs> given the old French captain think, a rub, just to check his head's yeah, all right. I think that, uh, took that I think dive. that um, this is a really good culture that has... Um, but that has been born out of this uh, new crop of young wallabies. I think that a team culture and certainly the rugby union culture at large was really, you know, suffering for a long time, for 10 or 15 years. I mean, like all those mm. years that, we, you know, we had all those bizarre coaches like Robbie Deans and stuff. I think that by allowing so many Kiwis in, when the years were tough for rugby union in this country, I think really almost smothered this code to death. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think it's time that we're doing something a little bit different and that seems to be what we're doing. We play the All Blacks now in about two and a half weeks' yeah. time, which will be pretty interesting to see. As you mentioned, Kiwi Rugby's on the decline. We're on the up. We've just um, come off a historic victory against a C-string French side on home soil uh, with a last gasp penalty in the decider. Kiwi Rugby in big trouble, um, needed a lot of refereeing help to beat Fiji the last couple of games, beat the understrength Tongan team a couple of weeks ago. We'll get up for this first Bledisloe Cup game. They've very strategically set the first game at Eden Park, which is... Um, yeah, very strategic of them, but like it, it shows that they're terrified. They're scared. They're running scared. Yeah, I mean... this it's, new era of Wallabies. Uh, look, I just... I fucking hope that it's our year. I mean, just just imagine the scenes. Uh, I mean, like I've imagined it the, too many times. The rugby jerseys will be flying off the fucking shelves. There will be people yeah. lining up around the blocks to get their vaccines. You know, there'll be tickets. People are gonna want to fly to France in 2023 and watch them play. Mm. A live Bledisloe Cup decider. Maybe we top Origin. Maybe we top Origin ratings. Yeah. Top AFL as long as it's in Queensland, I mean, you can't have the decider in a rugby and sporting mecca out at fucking Homebush down in Sydney. The absolute scenes that you can have in Brisbane. Brisbane is one of the great drinking towns. I mean, there are people who knock it. People in Melbourne might not understand because in Brisbane, it's a different style of drinking. I mean, you can go... From Lang Park, you can walk south over the go-between bridge down into South Bank. Have a couple of beers there in South Bank. There's a few lovely watering holes there. Very modern. I think the people in, in Melbourne who are probably used to drinking, and I'd say in Sydney too, there are people who like going into pubs. Rugby people like pubs, you know, pub pubs. Not, mm. you know, pubs that you'd find in Brisbane. But, you know, once you get the Brisbane bug, you never get rid of it. So you walk south from Lang Park over the go-between bridge into South Bank. You have some cold beers there. You get a bit fired up and then maybe might walk east uh, over to the Treasure. Maybe have a few beers in the Treasure. Keep walking, you know, possibly mosey on down to the new wharves there under the Howard Street Bridge. Go down to Fridays, go down to Riverside, have some cold beers there. And who knows? where the night will take you. It might take you back up the hill into the valley. I mean, it's it's just... Yeah. The possibilities are endless, but you just cannot do that in fucking Sydney because they no. fucking herd you onto these trains like fucking cattle getting on a cattle truck. They fucking take you like half an hour going through fucking Christ knows where, some fucking COVID hellhole 
down in Sydney, take you out there, they dump you off in this soulless Olympic shithole, and then and then that's when the hike begins. You've got to walk for fucking five or six Ks to this place, then walk up those stupid spiral fucking staircases up to space, and then you watch the game. Then the Wallabies win. They win the Bledisloe. Everyone's cheering. Everyone's happy. They're slapping each other on the back. Then you're like, where do I go now? Yeah, then you're back on the live export cart and you're into the city and you try and go to a pub, but you've had four mid-strength beers. So sorry, mate, not tonight. Head on home. I mean, at least have it at fucking Bankwest mm. so you can go out in para. Oh. Going out in para is fucking awesome. Yeah. Food, piss, unbelievable. Good vibe. Look, Good vibe in para. They should just fucking tear down that Olympic park and turn it back into an abattoir like it was in the fucking 80s. I mean, like... It's unbelievable. It is. Maybe just play every Wallabies test match in Brisbane at Suncorp because we seem to win. Every time we play at Suncorp, we win. Mate, so we just have them in fucking yeah, Townsville, yeah. have them fucking on the Goldie. Like the last one is fucking sick. But mm. like, it's just, I mean, can't have them anywhere else in the state that this country's in right now. I mean, I don't think people are going to be able to go out in Sydney until fucking Christmas. Even though that government puts such a tiny value on human life, I mean, it's. It's fucking like... Unless you want to go out at the casino, then you can go out. Yeah, then you can go out. But look, it's just... I don't know. My heart goes out to those people down there in Sydney. They've just been repeatedly let down by you know incompetence on a state and federal government level. I know that this podcast is not supposed to be political because a lot of people who follow this game you know, also think that Scott Morrison loves his fucking... Cronulla Sharks where he used to be the season fucking ticket holder the number one Down ticket holder east. of the fucking of the fucking East Ramwick fucking Waratahs he was there with his fucking gut under his woolen jumper and his fucking blue shirt hat on fucking you know those fucking you know the moleskins that aren't fucking moleskins that are from you know those fucking trendy Oxford Street boutiques you know the fucking RMs which you fucking know that he gets a couple sizes too big so people don't fucking come to learn the fact that Scott Morrison has size nine feet. Very little feet, the PM. A little known fact that he does have very little feet. But um, anyway, maybe, yeah, we should move along from the politics side of things to the uh, other couple of games that happened over the weekend. Oh, really? Argentina pumped Wales, pumped them. Um, <laughs> yeah. Good to see. You always love to see it, our Southern Hemisphere uh, brothers and sisters getting a win over yeah. a Northern Hemisphere team. But the other interesting one is South Africa A, which is like pretty much a decently strong South African team, yeah. lost to the Bulls, the Bulls super rugby side over the weekend, and everyone's kind of blowing up about what's going on over there. How can you lose to a provincial side? It's like the Wallabies losing to the Western Force. Yeah, well, I think uh, when the Lions came here in fucking... <laughs> What? What was? I can't even remember. Was it eleven? No, one before that. It was oh, the yeah. one where um they played the Waratahs, and there's this one fucking Waratah. I think his name was Duncan. Yeah, like, McRae, who absolutely yeah, who fucking fed that guy. I mean, like for absolutely no reason. But I think that guy that he fed had to have a you know like a game on yeah. on the sidelines. I mean, it's. Yeah, had to get his face uh, rearranged after that. I believe there had been some extracurriculars in regards to uh, partners outside of the footy field, and then he got hold of him on the footy field, I believe. I believe. Yeah. Oh, well, that's um, good to see. 
I mean, like, I don't but, condone, you know, people getting punched in the face for no reason. But <laughs> look, when they're lying prone yeah, on the ground. Mate, look, I'm no fucking cop, but there are some times when a bloke deserves a fucking flogging. Just as long as you don't fucking kill him. You know, yeah. you can just, you know, give him a little feed and everything goes back to normal. Just to, just to teach him a lesson. I mean, just you've got, like, know. you know, like cops, you know, they'll fucking... It's sometimes quite hard to talk to the police. I mean, it's just... Mm. Look, I'm getting sidetracked again. Don't get me fucking talking about the police. But look, <laughs> it's... Um, but look, mate, there were some cracking games. I really, like, there was one I really did love. Uh, it was uh, Tonga versus Samoa. Great yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Love that they do the war dances simultaneously. Everyone was getting into it. I thought that was really good. The Tongans, I thought at halftime yeah. they might be all over, but Mate, they found a way to It was on at 2 p.m. on a Saturday, and I'm currently mm. quarantining, so I guess it would have been rude if I didn't watch that game. It was yeah. great. It's, there's, it's such a physical contest. I mean, they just absolutely... Yeah. There, there is no love lost, you know, in no. the eastern parts of the South Pacific Ocean. They, they fucking run they at They run each other. at each other so hard. One of those tackles, <laughs> and I would be pronounced clinically dead, I reckon, if I had to stand in the way of yeah. one of those guys. Um, but, yeah, that was another good game of footy. It was a good triple header, good triple header on Saturday, uh, all those all those games. It's a little bit of a quiet patch now yeah. for the next couple of weeks. We've got seven starting, which will be good. Yeah. Seven starting at the Olympics. I'm looking forward to yeah. that. And I reckon we're probably uh, going to go back to back in yes. the female yeah. sevens. Just taking a look at that team, I mean, they are unstoppable. Yeah. It's a little bit of danger from the American team, but look, I reckon they'll go back to back. Yeah, I would love us to beat the Kiwi Sevens in a gold medal match. That would just make it even sweeter. That would be the dream. Um, so, looking forward yeah. to that. And then there's a couple of weeks until the Bledisloe Lions starts this weekend, which would be good. And Lions are first test against the. Looking the forward Sathers. to that, mate. Well, I'm. I am the COVID Cup. Yeah. The COVID Cup. See who's left standing. Who hasn't got COVID by the time um, that game kicks off on Saturday night? <laughs> we may not have any players left, <laughs> mate, but we'll see. They just fucking mm. quietly. This Olympic Games is shaping up to be one of the most like such an unmitigated disaster mm. on such a grand scale. I mean, the Olympic Village is awash yep. with COVID. But uh, anyway, um, we <laughs> will wrap up these uh, different tangents we've gone on this week, I think. That's about yeah. all I've got in terms of well, rugby. you know, you have to throw in the odd tangent mm. because we've only had a handful of internationals since yeah. we last spoke. Yeah, yeah. And there's plenty of tangents to go on this week with all sorts of yeah. stuff going on. So it's all fair enough. Oh, hell yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, we're looking yep. forward to the Lions test match, the seven starting next week, and then the Bledisloe coming up in a couple of weeks' time. Maybe yep. uh, are we going to be are we going to do one next week, or are we going to take a week off? We're going to take a bye week and then get back into the rest of it. Well, mate, um, I don't know. We'll play it by ear, but yep. I think maybe we should just do a short one just to yep. keep the momentum going from this historic win. I mean, yep. like, look, yep. on average, look, fucking ten to fifteen thousand people have been listening to this in the bad weeks now that we've had a win i reckon we could be giving the tv numbers a nudge yeah, i mean we'll I, I, i'm expecting that seven hundred and fifty thousand people will download this episode and listen to me and you yep. gibber to each other for 45 minutes yeah look out hamish and andy podcast eh yep exactly so, yeah fair enough so we'll be back in uh in seven days time yep. some more rugby stories to talk about looking forward to all of that hope you yep. enjoy uh, and maybe some stories from clubland 
Oh, yeah. Not down in Actually, Sydney. Actually. Um, but it, maybe Brisbane. If you've made it to the end of this podcast and are motivated to keep interacting with it, but you email us your best story from Clubland and we'll read them out on the show next week. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah, sounds like a great idea. Send in your stories. We'll read them out. Look forward to doing that. And uh, that's about it. That's, that's about, about it, it for, it for now. me. So enjoy the footy coming up and look forward to talking to you soon as well. See ya. Thank you.